together, we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, All hail the power of Jesus' name, and then grace greater than our sin. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the
Amen. Let's open up our service in a word of prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning. We do so with humble hearts, asking that it would be your Holy Spirit that stirs and moves in our midst. Help us to draw nearer to you, to sense your presence, that in every way you might be exalted. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's about the storm. 
Oh, well, I can't. 
Bibles with me if you would and turn to the book of Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read to you verses 10 down through 15. Title of our message this morning is you are complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. Lots of Christians torment themselves by trying to look for something else. Look for something else. Look for Jesus to do more. Some experience, some event. Um, other than what Christ has done for them in the miraculous power of salvation. Um, Christianity is not about looking for the newest high. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ having a relationship in you and completing you uh, and helping you to find that place where you walk with him, walking in the spirit day by day throughout your life. When we come to Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 down through 15, you find the, uh, the text really driving home the point that Christ has done some miraculous things in us that complete us spiritually in our Christian walk. So listen as I read the text, and then we're going to go down through it so that you really can internalize it and understand it. And my goal is for you to leave church this morning with the thorough, complete understanding that you are complete in Him. You don't need anything else. You don't need to search and seek for some other thing. You have Christ. So let's listen to what the text says to us. Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to read to you verses 10 on down through. And ye are complete in Him. See that? That's where the title of the message comes from. Everybody got it? Good, good, good. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him 
through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So as we approach this text, what we find is God driving home the point for you and I to learn to step back and to embrace the miracle of what Christ has done in our lives when we accept him as our savior and trust in him for our eternal life. Many Christians never accept the peace, the contentment, the security that Christ has given them. They're always looking for something else, wanting God to do some other incredible thing. And what the Bible drives home to us is you don't need anything else other than Christ because of the miraculous transformation he has made in our lives. So he starts off by talking about circumcision in Christ. And for you and I, we come to that term, and look again with me at verse 11, because remember verse 10 starts out by talking to you and I about that we're complete. He says, ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And then verse 11, he's gonna come down and he's gonna reference circumcision in Christ. And you may be thinking to yourself, oh, man, I can't get circumcised. I'm a woman, that's not gonna work for me. <laughs> well, he's not talking about physical circumcision. He's talking about spiritual circumcision. Look at what he comes down and says. He says, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So he's referencing a miraculous spiritual thing. He's not talking about a physical thing. He's not talking about a little baby boy being circumcised. He's not talking about the Jewish ritual of circumcision. Although he's making that connection, just as that Old Testament law was given for them to circumcise their little boys as a sign that they were part of the descendancy of Abraham, having put their faith in the true and living God. But he's saying, no, 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 wait, there's a circumcision not of the hands, not, not, not physical but the circumcision of the heart, spiritual. Romans chapter two, verse 29 says, circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You see, God is looking for a transformation of the heart and he's calling it the circumcision of Christ. He's talking about you and I being marked, marked by the miraculous power of God. When you and I receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, He comes to dwell within us. 
a transformation happens within our hearts and our souls. And he says, this is that circumcision of the heart in the spirit. Philippians 3, 3 says, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have no confidence in the flesh. That's interesting. Just as the Jews in the Old Testament, they had all their confidence in the flesh, their, their circumcision, their adherence to the law. He says, you and I, when we receive Christ as our Savior, Christ has fulfilled those things. And we, our freedom is in Jesus Christ. We receive him as our Savior. He marks our heart and our soul through his presence. That's our identity. We don't depend on the flesh. We depend on that spiritual transaction between us and Christ. So let it go. Stop searching and looking for some experience that's physical. He says, no, no. Your spiritual identity is spiritual between you and Christ. But then he comes down into verse 12. Listen to what he says. Because he's going to build on this. Verse 12, he says, buried with him in baptism. So the second thing that he's saying to you and I that makes us complete, first of all, is that spiritual circumcision, that transformation of the heart in our spirit that marks us as the children of God. But then we do something. We have that first step of obedience, baptism. You and I, we go ahead and step up and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I want the world to know. So we get baptized right here. You and I, lots, lots of our folks have been baptized right here. When John and I went to Israel, I baptized John in the River Jordan in Israel. We have a picture of it. It's a symbol of our accepting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he says to us, he says, there's something completing. Remember verse 10 said, we are complete in him. Why? Because we have that spiritual circumcision of the heart. And we have taken that step of obedience in being baptized. Romans 6 verses 2 and 3, it says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not? That, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. You see, our baptism pictures that death, that burial of Jesus Christ. And he says, when we do that, we're symbolizing that we have died to the old man, that we have died to sin. Romans 6.11 says, likewise, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says that baptism, that's part of us being complete in Christ. It's that circumcision marks our spiritual man. I'm a child of God. That baptism proclaims to the world that I've died to sin and I've embraced Jesus Christ as my Savior. 
He says that is a completion of the soul. It's a completion of you and your identity and who you are as a Christian. But when I read to you Romans 6, 11, the second half of that verse, listen again to it. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the link to the next part of our sermon, the next part of our text. Go back with me to Colossians chapter 2. Remember verse 10 starts out talking to us about being complete in him. Then he comes down into verse 11. He talked about that spiritual circumcision. Then he references, as we come down into verse 12, being buried with him in baptism. But look at the next thing he says in verse 12. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So he's talking to you and I about being complete in Christ. That we don't need anything else. We don't need to try to follow a bunch of the law in the Old Testament. We don't need to go ahead and have some kind of wild, crazy experience that's going to you know, tell us, oh yes, I'm more of a Christian today than ever. We don't need to go ahead and, and go somewhere or do something. We don't need to climb upstairs on our knees and bloody ourselves to show God we're sincere. He says we don't need anything because we have been circumcised in our hearts through the presence of Christ. We have followed the Lord in baptism, picturing his death, dying to the old man, dying to sin. But we come out of that water in baptism. Amen? Amen. Is there any of you who I left? <laughs> you know, I went ahead and I baptized you and I left you. I said, there we go. They're buried. That's it. It's done. No, every single one of you rose up out of that water. When you got baptized, you pictured that death, burial, but you came up out of the water. That's what he says when he comes down here in verse 12. Buried within him, with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. You and I are complete in him. We've embraced his death, his burial, but we also have embraced his resurrection. And when we get baptized, that's why nowhere in the Bible do you find sprinkled baptism. It doesn't exist in the Bible. It's nowhere. Why? Because baptism truly pictures that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in our lives. He says, you are complete in Christ because of these things. These things have made you whole as a Christian. The resurrection of Christ is an important and powerful part of who you are. Romans 6, 4, it says, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. When we're baptized, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and we're resurrected, he says we should be walking in newness of life. 
That's part of that being complete in him. You know, we can, we can go ahead and try to find something else. You can, you can be a monk, go live in the back forest of, you know, John's neighborhood there. Go build yourself a little two-by-two two hut back there. And you can isolate yourself and read the Bible all day only by candlelight. And he says, that's not going to do any more for you. Your heart has been circumcised by the presence of Christ. You've been marked by the presence of Christ. You have gone ahead and proclaimed your adherence to the death of Christ. And the resurrection of Christ has given you a new walk. A new direction in life. We sometimes way overcomplicate it. He wants us to live our faith. We are not of this world, but we are in this world, the Bible says. Living our faith, walking in our faith. Embracing the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says... If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. <clears throat> if we're not careful, we torment ourselves about all the things on the earth, and we forget about the glories of heaven itself. We need to be careful that we're not every day wringing our hands and worrying and stressing and striving about everything around us. And we forget that Christ has gone to prepare us a glorious place. We are just passing through this world. We are, the, the Bible says our life is but a vapor. It appears for a time and then it's gone. There is great joy in knowing that Christ has gone ahead. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. That's what he says to us. So we embrace the resurrection of Christ. We embrace that he today sits at the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us he intercedes for us all the time. So when he starts out in verse 10, it says... Ye are complete in him. We don't need to be a monk in the woods. We don't need to torment ourselves. Am I, am I a good enough Christian? Am I a good enough Christian? Listen, if you have Christ in your heart and in your life, and you are walking in that resurrected newness of life of Christ in you, then you are a Christian growing and maturing day by day. Are any of us good enough? We're good enough for God to say he loves us. We have to go ahead and work at improving our lives day by day, of course. But you don't torment yourself. When Christ says to us, we are complete in him. But look at what he goes on. He's going to build for you and I this continuing bridge. Listen to what he goes on to say, verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. 
in you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he hath quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So he uses some terms in there that if you're not careful, you start tripping up on. When he says down here, he says, and he hath quickened together with him. That word quicken means made alive. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, he gives us that new, newness of life. He quickens us within our souls. But look at what he says. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. And that's what I want you to grab a hold of right here. I want you to understand that part of being complete in Christ is being forgiven by Christ. There are a lot of people, a lot of Christians, who torment themselves about things that have transpired in their lives, things that they've asked God to forgive them for, and they just don't let them go. God has forgiven. That's what he tells us here. He says, listen, he hath forgiven you all your trespasses. In the very next verse, verse 14, because he knows how people struggle with that, he is going to really hammer it in. He's going to detail it. Listen to what he says in verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that were against us, which were contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's pretty visual language that he's using. He says to us, he nails your sins to the cross. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? He's not talking metaphorically. He's saying literally Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross your sins hung with him. That's why we're complete in Christ. You can beat yourself up and torment yourself. You can worry and fret and stew all you want. But if you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if you've accepted him as your savior, you are forgiven. Your sins were nailed to the cross. In fact, verse 14, the very first part, it's so interesting that he says, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that were against you. He blots it out. Other texts tell us that he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. I want you to look with me, if you would, over to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments continued in ordinances. For to make in himself of two, or twain, one new person, one new man, so making peace. What this text means is Jesus Christ took us and through his sacrifice on the cross, by nailing our sins on the cross, by blotting out our sins, 
he went ahead and brought peace between us and God. Verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, the enemy, the the distance, the warfare between us and God. He slayed it. He laid it aside. He nailed it to the cross. He blotted it out. You and I are complete in Christ. Stop tormenting yourself about something that happened that you've asked God to forgive you for, that you need to move past. You don't need any more than God's forgiveness. If he can forgive you, why can't you forgive you? Amen? Amen. And, I'm, and I want to carry that a step further. And you and I as Christians, if our brother and sister in Christ have done something that hurt us or offended us, don't we need to forgive them? Yes. If God can forgive them, why can't we? I mean, God paid for it on the cross. We didn't. The offense is so much greater to him. But yet when we come, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's what the scriptures teach us. So he tells us we're complete in him. He blots those sins out. He takes them away, he says. He nails them to the cross. You and I are forgiven. We are complete in him. The last thing he touches on as we come down to verse 15. Listen to what he says. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So here he's, he's referencing principalities and powers. He's talking about the spiritual world and the world that we know. He's saying he himself rules and reigns over those things. In fact, look at verse 10 with me in our text. It says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So you might wake up in the morning and maybe it was 25 below zero. And all of a sudden you realize your pipes are frozen. And you say to yourself, oh, that's the devil. <laughs> I know that's the devil. Now for sure it might be the dominions, all the little demonic angels of the devil out there wreaking havoc in our lives. But the reality is, the Lord let things come into our lives that sometimes we just don't even understand. He has a purpose in them. What that purpose is, we don't always understand. But he is over all the principalities and powers of this world. Why he allows certain things to happen, it's kind of like Job. Wow, poor Job. Why all that happened to him? That's between him and God. Because wow, what a mystery right there. And in our lives, there are things that transpire. You know, the zone in the, in the preschool freezing. Well, I learned a little bit. I, I, I walked away from that saying to myself, yes, we need to go back. Because we did that addition, that building down there back in the 90s. And it reminded me, 
you know what, we need to go back and re-look at some things and be sure our insulation is in place. Because we've had plumbers, electricians, we've done construction projects where we've moved insulation and moved tile. And you know what, maybe we haven't put it back quite the way we should. So the Lord reminded me, you think 25 below, pastor's cold? Next year, maybe it's going to be 35. So get that fixed. I know you're all saying, what? <laughs> 35. But you know what? There are things that come into our lives. He is over all the principalities and powers. Heaven and earth. God oversees it all. Some things he stops. Some things he crushes and kills. Some things he lets go on. He is God. But we must never forget, he is over all things. And therefore, we are complete in him. Understanding and trusting and resting in him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, For by him were all things created. In heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Whether principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. There's great comfort in knowing God is over all. Understanding that God is over all. I'm not God. He is God. I can't control everything. Neither can you. We have to go to God. Amen? Amen. We, we have, I look back here and I see Rose running the computer and I, I see Hillary back here. And it just reminds me, we have these ladies that are getting ready to have babies this spring and summer. I think uh, Rose is due on my birthday, July 20th. <laughs> it's, it's the only person I know the due date of because it's on my birthday. But you know what? I can't have anything to do with those babies being healthy and strong. Can you? But do you know who can? God. Because he is overall. He is the creator of all things in heaven and on earth. All those things, all the principalities and powers, spiritual and earthly, all things. So we as Christians, we're complete in him. We can come to him as our heavenly father. And we can cry out to him. Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to turn over there with me if you would. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. And this text reminds us as we come to the end of our message this morning. It reminds us that Christ is over all. Listen to what it says. Ephesians 1, 20 down through 23. which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, which he, uh, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
You and I are complete in Christ because he is over all things. When we received him as our savior, we experienced that spiritual circumcision where he marked our hearts and our souls with his very presence. We followed him in baptism that we might let the whole world know that we have embraced his death and his resurrection. That has given us a new life in him that we might walk in the spirit. You and I, we embrace his forgiveness. Stop tormenting yourself about things that happened in the past. Let Christ set you free. He's blotted it out. He's taken it away. He's nailed it to the cross. Yes, he is the one who has spoiled the principalities and powers of the world. He is over them. He's all powerful. He is the sovereign God. And you and I rest in that truth, knowing that each day, as we walk in him, we should rest in him. You and I are complete in Christ. Father in heaven, we thank you for the scriptures that give us confidence, give us peace, to know that we are complete in you. Lord, help us to let go of all the foolishness that the carnal man challenges us towards. But embrace our righteousness, our newness of life, and celebrate our completeness in you. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I think John has a little closing chorus. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So